You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage, and this is the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love, that runs in alternative weekly newspapers all over the universe. The number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. We have a lot of calls to get to. Let's get to them. Hi, Dan. I love this column, by the way. And I have sort of a conundrum with my sex life, so I thought I'd call you. Um, So the problem is that I've been seeing this guy for a month, and we have, or two months, that is, and we have really amazing sex, actually, like fringing on kinky, awesome. And um, the issue is that but we only have sex like once or twice a week. And I have a really high sex drive. And so I confronted him about this. And he said some things that I thought were kind of strange and bordering on repressive <laughs> about you know, some kind of weird value system about how much you know, sex should be had and, you know, better things to do with your time and whatnot, which I think is crazy because, you know, I've, I've been in relationships where sometimes you just, you just want to fuck, you know, and that's okay. You know, it's not like you have to justify it and, you know, listen to Mozart or something, you know what I mean? Um, instead, but yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm getting frustrated because I confronted him and, you know, he said these things and, thinking about dumping him and i'm wondering if that's a little harsh it's not too harsh to dump him for this uh but you're not going to be dumping him for the reasons that you think you're going to be dumping him what we have here is a failure to identify the real problem which is a standard run-of-the-mill uh problem around sex drive he has a lower sex drive than you do but he's trying to couch his lower sex drive or wrap his lower sex drive up in moralistic language to try to make his low sex drive not just a fact about him and his sex drive but a virtue and consequently, something that makes you look bad by comparison. You want too much sex. You are wanton, and you're a sleazebag, and you're a slut. And he, of course, is a paragon of virtue who only wants the amount of sex that he wants. And that makes him good. But you wanting the amount of sex that you want makes you bad. You can't date somebody like that, or you shouldn't date somebody like that. Uh, unless you can walk him through what the real issue is. Make him listen to the podcast. Make him listen to what I'm saying. Or rephrase it all for him. And he admits that that is consciously or subconsciously exactly what he was doing and can get over it and works toward getting over what is a hang-up on his part and a judgmental hang-up, a hang-up that says, I'm fine, you're fucked up. My sort of base-level desires, fine. Your base-level desires, really immoral. You can't be with somebody who thinks your sexual tastes, desires, the frequency that you like means you're a bad person, so he'll have to go. Hi, Dan. My uh, partner has been without a job for a year, and his credit is bad. Uh, He lives with his parents, but he's looking forward to the day when we can live together. Um, I don't work a 9-to-5. It's usually later in the evening when I get finished with my work. Uh, Sexually, I've always been GG and G with him, but sometimes I just don't have the energy for sex when he comes over. Um, I've told him every visit does not equal a hop in the bed for sex. 
he gets pissed and he mopes and you know, that's just the way it is. If we don't have sex, he spends a lot of time on his computer checking out porn and gay sites. But as far as I know, he, he doesn't do anything with other guys. Um, he never talks about getting work, just sex all the time. So, um, like your advice, how to handle this one. It's hard to share your life with someone that doesn't have one. Lives at home with the parents, doesn't have a job, isn't looking for a job. If you're independently wealthy and you want a stay-at-home partner who is going to suck your dick and do your laundry, uh, and you want that sort of Ward and June Cleaver setup, you can go for that. You can have that. I kind of have that. But we're not going to talk about that because I'll get uh, my dick not sucked for a good long time if we talk about that. But it's got to be what you want. Uh, And if it isn't what you want, and all this guy brings to the table is free time and free loading and uh, blowing loads over the porn downloads, he's not for you. I don't understand why you're calling him your partner, why you're honoring him with that title. When you don't live together, he doesn't have a job, and it doesn't sound like sexually you're all that compatible. So, you know, sorry about this. Uh, Too low and over-the-plate calls at the beginning of the podcast. Too, like, dump the motherfucker already. But here's a dump the motherfucker already situation. You're not happy. He's a loser. He needs to get it together before he can have a partner. And you obviously are not happy with him as a partner. So uh, why are you dating him? Why are you still with him? Why are you calling him your partner? Dump the motherfucker already. Hi, Dan. My name is Sarah. I'm a 19-year-old street girl. And um, a couple months ago, I hooked up with a friend of mine. We were both a little bit drunk, but I remember everything. And I know we, we used a condom. I insisted on it. And a couple months later, I found myself pregnant. And there's no one else that could have been but him. He never told me the condom broke. He never said anything. We barely talked afterwards. And my question is, how how do I tell him that I was pregnant? Is there a way he couldn't have known that it broke? Because if he knew, I want to confront him about it because this should never happen to a girl. I've been having a hell of a time, and I don't want him to do this to any other girls. But at the same time, I want to make sure I don't want to attack him if there's a way he could have not known about it, but I really don't think that's the case and I don't know I'm I'm scared to talk to him because either I think I'm gonna flip out and beat the shit out of him or just completely back down and forget about it so if you could give me some advice I'd appreciate it uh thanks very much for your call and I thought I'd get a little outside help um with the condom issue uh this is Saraja Galeas is on the line with me from Planned Parenthood of Metropolitan Washington DC how you doing Saraja I'm good. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, uh, I'm thrilled that you were able to do it on such short notice. So what we've got here is a young woman who went to bed with a, a guy, and they were both drunk, and she they used a condom at her insistence, uh, and, you know, props to her for insisting on condoms, uh, even when she was impaired, and she got pregnant. And she seems really convinced that the condom must have broke, and the guy must have known, and that she's is wondering whether she should confront him about knocking her up on purpose or through his negligence and maliciousness. And so the question is, is it possible to use a condom and for the condom to remain intact and for a woman to get pregnant? Absolutely. You just remember that the effectiveness of the condom is perfect use, 98% of effectiveness, but the typical use 
is 85% of effectiveness. And if both of them were, you know, drinking and partying, uh, I don't know how well do they put the condom or not. And it's not just enough to put a condom on. You actually have to do a little bit of condom maintenance while you're having sex to make sure it doesn't slip down, to make sure it doesn't leak. Absolutely. So that's one of the biggest issues because when you're drinking, just sometimes, you know, you're not making the best decisions and you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't know what's going on after. Okay. And the other thing about condoms, as you said, 98% effective when used perfectly. Correctly. Perfect use. And perfect use means what? Perfect use means that you are putting the condom correctly and then after... Uh, when it's finished, when the guy finished, he must pull out out of the vagina. Mm -hmm. And then he can remove the condom out of the vagina. Otherwise, he can spill and, you know, she can get pregnant that way. Right. Like I would add to that perfect use criteria that every once in a while a hand slips down and makes sure it's still there. And every once in a while you look down and make sure it's still there. Because condoms can You're slip off right. during intercourse and a woman can wind up with a condom inside her full of cum. And even that is 98% of effectiveness. It's not 100%. Right. It so even if you use it perfectly, there's a small chance you could get pregnant. Yes. So it's Always a chance. So this woman shouldn't assume that the condom broke or the condom came off and the kid knew, the other guy, the guy knew about it and just went for it anyway. Right. But she should still confront him. He still needs to know that he got somebody pregnant. Right? Absolutely. She needs, she needs to talk to him. And since they're friends, I think it have to be an open, um, in an open situation that the both of them can talk. And she say, "Look, this is what happened. We were drinking. I didn't feel comfortable what you did, but I got pregnant, and I'm sure it's you." Mm -hmm. And they have to come out with the best options for both of them. Both of them. Well, she did refer to the pregnancy in the past tense, so I think she's already exercised her right to choose. Um, but he does need to know that the condom, you know, was used improperly. Uh, whether through negligence or malice, but we can't assume malice here. Right. Okay. Um, hey, we have a couple other calls from people with uh, STI and medical questions. Can you hang out with us for a little bit? Sure. Hi, my name is Sarah. I am a 26-year-old lesbian, and um, I recently had a scare where I, um, I I had recently started with a new partner and um, and thought I had contracted herpes for a while, and um, and I went. Uh, it turns out that I am I do not have herpes, which is great news. Um, but I went online and I found um, a surprisingly uh, huge lack of information about um, lesbians and STDs. And I was one. I just had some questions um, that kind of arose from this experience um, in uh, you know relating to uh, lesbians and and herpes mainly. Um, if if somebody has, if you're dating someone that has genital herpes um, and they are having an outbreak, if they go down on you while they're having an outbreak, if they don't have um, you know, cold sores or they don't have any other signs of, of having, you know, uh, you know, herpes one on, you know, on any other part of their body, are you at risk um, in that situation for getting, contracting herpes um, from oral sex being performed on you? Um, and because like, if, since it's a virus, is it in, you know, is it in your whole body? Is it, is, does it, you know, if, I don't know, if they have like a cut in their mouth and they're going down on you, can you get herpes from, from that? Um, and, and also just sort of as a, as a general question for, um, for lesbians, um, what, if, if there's no penetration involved, what sort of STDs are, 
are you at risk for if basically you're just sort of rubbing up against each other? So there is a lack of info out there about lesbians and STIs, is there? Or does the info out there for straight people about oral sex and frotage kind of apply to lesbians, Saraja? Well, there is uh, many sexually transmitted infections that they can be transmitted by just frotting. Uh, definitely uh, if they have an outbreak, like not only herpes, but also genital warts and syphilis. So those can be transmitted just by rubbing together. Right, because they're open source. But uh, If they have an outbreak. If they have an outbreak. Now, now, the question that this woman has is, she was being gone down on, a woman was eating her out, and the woman had a herpes outbreak on her genitals, but nothing on her mouth. Is someone infectious? Can someone pass the infection orally when they just have herpes Absolutely. on the genitals? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They can. And also, when we do STD screening, we can do... Uh, throw culture for sexual extremist infections as well. So she could have herpes in her mouth? Right. But the woman's question is, is the herpes virus present in the bloodstream, in the saliva, or yes. do you have to be exposed to the actual sore itself to be exposed to the virus? Well, and that's one of the biggest questions because, uh, unfortunately, we don't know the percentage that it could be transmitted if they don't have an outbreak, but it actually, they are in risk. They're always going to be in chance that it could be transmitted. Because the virus is where? It's in your whole body. It's, it's in your whole body. So to answer her question, she could contract herpes on her own it, genitally from someone going down on her who has herpes genitally but nothing in her mouth. Well, there is a small chance. Okay. I cannot tell you it's going to be guaranteed, but it's always going to be a chance. Okay. And the, the other diseases she needs to worry about if it's just for The other diseases that she needs to be uh, aware is genital warts and definitely if they happen you know, an outbreak. And if they have any open source, it could be syphilis. Mm -hmm. But chlamydia is one of them that it can actually pass through your mouth and you don't have any symptoms. Mm -hmm. and so basically any sexually active person should I be conscious of their they risks. they always have to get tested. And they need to be partner. screened. Absolutely. And they need to be vigilant about their health. Absolutely. What about the new um, HPV, the genital wards vaccine for women? Actually, that vaccine is recommended for 9 to 26-year-old females, mm -hmm. and they have to be screened before that. To make sure they haven't already been exposed. Make sure, absolutely. And then they can give you, is that three-doses vaccine. And Planned Parenthood does administer that. Uh, some of the Planned Parenthoods around the country provide that. Okay, so it would be a good idea for even a lesbian who's 20-something years old to go get vaccinated against HPV if she's not already exposed. Right, and the other thing is she can get, as she was saying, that there's not enough information about sexually transmitted infections, she can go actually to the website of the cdc.gov. Okay, uh, can you hang out for one more call? Absolutely. All right, here we go. We're gonna play it for you in just one second. Hi, my name is uh, Donna, and I am in my late 40s, and I'm getting divorced, uh, but before my, after my husband and I decided that we were gonna get divorced, uh, a few months later, I found out that I have hepatitis C, and so um, I was excited about the possibilities of lots of fun after uh, being single, and um, now this sort of puts a, a, a crimp in that fun, and I'm wondering at what point in a relationship do I have to tell someone uh, that I am 
that I do have hepatitis C, is it okay to to kiss somebody and not tell them or to make out with someone and not tell them? Um, obviously, I don't tell them on the first date, but um, I am uh, extremely disappointed <laughs> that this is uh, now something that is going to affect my sexuality and my relationships. Just to back up and give us a little info here, Saraja, what is hepatitis C exactly? Hepatitis C is a disease of the liver. And how, how do people contract it? They can contract it like, by sexually transmitted. And um, it, one of her questions was if, if she can kiss somebody. Mm-hmm. And it could be transmitted by saliva. They actually can contract it by um, sharing needles. Mm-hmm. Um, when they donate blood as well. And so they have to be really, really careful. So people with hep C have to be careful about not passing the infection on. Absolutely. And how do people with hep C protect their partners who do not have hep C? They must wear a condom. They must wear a condom. And they must tell the partners that they have hepatitis C. How common is the hepatitis C infection? Well, it was not that common, but I think uh, lately we see more cases. Um, What are the potential bad consequences of hepatitis C? You say 80% of the people with hepatitis C have no symptoms. Right. But a small percentage of people with hepatitis C suffer some very serious, very serious medical symptoms. problems. Well, could, one of the symptoms could be fatigue, dark urine, abdominal pain, loss of appetite, nausea. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, they're long-term effects that they can actually lead to death. They can lead to death because your liver can fail. Absolutely. Your body attacks your liver. Um, and But how many people invariably progress to that? Not, most people are asymptomatic. Well, they must seek uh, treatment for it. They must seek treatment if you have hepatitis Absolutely C. Is yeah. hepatitis C part of regular STI screening? No. No. Why not? Well, you, there's a lot of them that they're not because mm-hmm. sometimes they're very pricey and very, you know, so people don't even realize that they need that. Mm-hmm. So I will always recommend that when you go to any doctor or any, or any clinic, they must request, why are you testing me? And if they don't test it, for example, for, for herpes, or they don't test it for HPV, if they don't test it for some of them, you must request those. And your advice to this woman would be she does need to disclose. Absolutely. And she needs to use condoms. And she must tell her partner. And she must tell her partner that she has hepatitis C. How common is hepatitis C infection? I'm reading right now, and it says estimate 4.1 million of Americans have been infected with hepatitis C. Okay. Well, I think I just want to thank you. <laughs> was this stressful for you? Yes. Why was it stressful for you, Saraja? You did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> and we appreciate it. We appreciate everything Planned Parenthood does, and uh, everyone should jump online and make a donation to Planned Parenthood. Oh, uh, you're so Metropolitan nice. Washington, D.C., so nice. and everywhere else. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 23-year-old gay man, and here's my question. Um, I was struck several weeks ago when you had on your phone a woman who was in bed with a guy who didn't want to kiss her for quote-unquote health reasons, um, and in your response you decided that he was basically an asshole. Are there people who don't like to kiss but otherwise have meaningful sex? Is that really common? Um, My question is because in my own sad and whiny history with guys, um, I've been shown that the ones who don't want to kiss or dry up or refuse to use their tongue or whatever only do so because they either have intimacy issues or because they've lost their desire to be with me and don't have the balls to admit it, um, and that's how they act, or just because they're mean and fucking crazy, or both. Um, so, uh, second part of the question is, how do I stop my own pattern 
of meeting guys who drive exactly when a relationship should be taking seed. Um, I'm almost 24, and I have never been in a relationship that lasted longer than a month. Um, and this kissing thing always seems to pop up um, just as the tide is about to recede, and in general, way too often. Um, I love your show, and uh, thanks for listening. Hello. Hey, uh, it's Dan. Oh, hi. How oh, are wow. you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just got your call. Uh, oh, wow. About kissing. And I, I guess I need to eat a, a few of my words because, you know, I suggested there are people out there who can have loving, stable, committed relationships and are good at sex and don't like to kiss. And then right after I said that, practically, I found via Andrew Sullivan's website this article in Scientific American uh-huh. uh, that explains why we kiss. And it lists a few key concepts um, that a kiss triggers a cascade of neural messages and chemicals that transmit tactile sensations, sexual excitement, feelings of closeness, motivation, and even euphoria. And kisses convey important information about the status and future of a relationship, just like you were saying. Okay. And uh, even more importantly, um, the human lips, according to this article, enjoy the slimmest layer of skin on the human body, and the lips are among the most densely populated with sensory neurons of any body region. And when, right, that's why babies like to put stuff in their mouth, because that's, that's how they feel it. Exactly right. And when we kiss, those neurons, along with those in the tongue and mouth, rocket messages to the brain and body, setting off delightful sensations, intense emotions, and physical reactions. So I could see why you wouldn't want to be with somebody who didn't kiss. I certainly wouldn't want to be with somebody who didn't right. like to kiss. But there are some people out there who don't like to kiss, but maybe they have hang-ups and they're unworthy of your love, time, and attention. Um, <laughs> now, setting aside the kissing issue, what's up with the inability to uh, date somebody for more than a month issue? Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I got a, a little nervous. Um, it's uh, it's I, I have to look back, you know, at like years of, you know, trying to figure myself out. Basically, I've been out since I was 14, you know, in a very loving and caring household and so there was no, you know, problem uh, at home about, you know, whether or not I could ever, you know, take a boy home or talk about that kind of stuff. But uh, over the years, um, I really just, I guess, had awful luck. Um, I definitely had low self-esteem for a while, and I didn't, I don't think I believed that there were people out there that, you know, would like me. And once I got over that, I just kept, you know, I don't know, I kept, you know, trying to date people, and I would get rejected, or I would just it just wouldn't work out or it, you know, it would work for like one or two times and then I would just... How many guys have you dated? Um, how many guys have I dated, uh, like, dated, like, gone on dates with... Yeah, how many guys reached this month, this magical month mark that you talk about? Oh, uh, like, uh, three, I would say. Uh-huh. And you've been out since you for 14? One of them was totally crazy and it was during a period of low self-esteem, which is where the whole kissing thing came in. Uh-huh. That's why I thought about it because I thought, oh, God, that's Exactly number one. And what do you do now? Where do you you in school? You working? I'm working. I live in New York. I've been living here for a year. So you think in uh, in this year I've had more you know gotten more dates and met more guys than I ever have previously. Okay. Um, but it has just I you know I don't even know that you can like answer this question if you don't like know me. But it, it's like it's just that I I seem to come across as awful luck. And you like, come across as awful luck. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's something about me that... You need to chill out. You need to chill out. Even though you came out when you were 14 years old and you had a supportive family, most of the guys that you're drawing out of the dating pool weren't so lucky. 
yeah. and probably came out later. You have to remember that when you're gay and you're out there and you're dating and you're young, you're going to have to date a lot of damaged goods and learn how to spot a lot of damaged goods and then avoid the damaged goods. And dating the damaged goods is sometimes the best way to get to learn what the damaged goods are and how to avoid them. Right. Gay people smoke more, drink more, commit suicide at higher rates. Because why? Because we just like to smoke and drink and kill ourselves? No, because we suffer, right? Right. Because right. we are marginalized, discriminated against, often treated like shit in our own families. You know, God hates us, blah, blah, blah. A lot of gay wow. guys internalize all that crap. Mm-hmm. And then are shitty, fucked up adults. Right? And when right. you're young and gay and out, you're dating them at the moment in their lives when they're most fucked up about all that crap. So you need to you need to give yourself a break. Just because you were out at fourteen doesn't mean you should you know be married and settle down and content at eighteen. You just need to not be bitter and not create a self fulfilling prophecy, and remind yourself that most guys who are your age haven't really dated anybody for much longer than you've dated anybody. Right. Well, that's the one thing is that even even the, and you're right, and I'm not saying right and uh, you know that you're wrong about this, but I have the some two of the guys that I've dated, I have said to them after. You know, the very initial, like, period, you know, the question of have you been in a relationship comes up before. And I always say, well, not really. Like, no, I've never really been in a long-term relationship. And two different people give me a very strange look. Like, you're 23 and you haven't been in a long-term relationship. And, you know, maybe they're lying or, you know, I don't know what it was. But uh, it just, I don't know, I just, you're right. I, um, you know, I'm trying to internalize what you're saying. You're in the majority. Most guys who are 23, 24 years old and gay have not been in a quote-unquote successful long-term relationship. Okay? So just chill so there's out. there's nothing wrong with me then? Is there's that what you're saying? Potentially nothing wrong with you. I don't know. If, you keep, <laughs> if this keeps happening into your 30s, there may be something right. wrong with you. Like, you also have to confront the fact that if none of your relationships succeed and you're a serial dater, then you're the common denominator, I know, yeah. Right? So you do need to be self-critical. I'm not telling you not to look at yourself and think, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How can I improve? How can I pick better guys? How can I be a better guy? Right. Because one of the things, you know, there's a lot of fucked up gay guys out there. You might be one of them. Right. We all have to confront that. It's not just like all the guys I'm dating are potentially fucked up, but all the guys dating me might potentially be dating a fucked up guy too. (laughs) So you need to be self-critical. You need to make sure, you know, you have good personal hygiene and that you're a nice person. Right. Right? And then you're not like some crazy, psycho-jealous, bitch, asshole, motherfucker, douchebag, right? Right, well, I... taking taking out on, you know, his boyfriends, everything he suffered from in the world, which isn't fair. Right, well, that's the thing. I've only... I've never taken the crazy route until there was one person I was dating who just stopped calling me one day and just sort of disappeared. And then when I did see him randomly, he apologized profusely and said, oh, I'll call you really soon. Didn't do it. And that was the one time I unleashed the anger at every other guy that's ever been you know, mean to me, um, one person. But I generally try to, you know, I don't know, I, I, I think I'm not bad. You know, all my friends are completely confused as to why I never, you know, no, nothing ever works with me. So Something will work. Nothing stupid. works until the one comes along that does. Every relationship fails until one doesn't. I love that quote, actually. And so just <laughs> be a little self-critical, go to the gym, don't date shallow fucking motherfuckers, don't be a shallow fucking motherfucker, and it'll come along for you particularly in a place like New York City, which has no shortage of gay men. That's true. And people will say that none of the gay men in New York want to have relationships. That's not true. That's not true. None of the gay men in certain venues in New York and none of the gay men with certain values in New York want to have relationships. Don't date those gay men in New York. Thank you so much for calling. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this week's podcast. The number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future show, 206-201-2720. Very special thanks to Saraja Galeas at Planned Parenthood for the excellent chat. And again, as always, to the popovers for the excellent intro music. And I'll be back at you next week in the podcast.